0: This week, the headlines were dominated. The headlines were dominated by the death of an actor. His name was Robin Williams. He was a man who was in great pain. He's a man who was hurting. An immensely talented, uh, comedic actor, funny, um, nonstop energy, um, delighted millions of people uh, with roles such as Mork from Ork, Um, Mrs. Doubtfire, movies that we have seen, movies that we cherish. Robin Williams is one of America's favorite actors. And then on Monday evening, we found out that he had taken his own life. He was haunted by demons, demons of addiction and depression. He was a man who was in pain. He had physical pain as we discovered later in the week that he had pain from Parkinson's disease we found out that he had emotional pain and depression and it was too much for him it was too much to take and as a man who was in such great pain he sadly ended his own life on Monday August 14th Monday August 11th 2014 Our lives are messy from time to time. And in the mess of our lives, we face pain and turmoil. There is physical pain that we face. Our bodies break down and we have pain physically. We have emotional pain when our minds betray us and we have things like chemical imbalances and and we have mental illnesses and, and pain Mentally and emotionally we have spiritual pain When our hearts and our souls cry out to god Because we wrestle with our sin and our struggles and our selfishness and temptations and trials and tribulations We face pain Is there anyone here this morning who is not in some kind of pain? We all face it we all deal with it and sometimes We have emotional pain. Sometimes we have physical pain. Sometimes we have spiritual pain. Sometimes we deal with all three at once. Sometimes the uh, physical pain causes the emotional pain or causes the spiritual pain. Sometimes we face loneliness and depression, and it's just too much to take. It's almost too much to get through. And we go through dark days in our lives when we don't know how we're going to make it from one moment to the next. We don't know how we're going to get through this moment to get to the next one. And if we're truly honest with ourselves, we, we just might admit that we don't know that we want to make it from one moment to the next. Pain comes in all shapes and sizes and forms. And pain hurts. Pain. It was about six weeks ago that I sat down and put the finishing touches on this sermon series, Psalms in the Key of Life. And we've been looking at various psalms all summer long. And about six weeks ago, I sat down and said, on August 17, 2014, I want to preach Psalm 40. Now, one of the reasons that I'm preaching this sermon today, one of the reasons I picked Psalm 40 is because uh, it is the basis of one of my favorite U2 songs. Uh, U2 is my favorite band. And uh, the, they have a song called 40 and it is the words of psalm 40 set to music And so I, I just love the song and I love the band and I thought to myself i'm preaching a sermon series on psalms I would love to preach psalm 40 So six weeks ago as I put the finishing touches on this sermon series. I said i'm going to preach psalm 40 I had no idea What was going to happen in our country and in our world i had no idea what would happen between then and now and why this message would be so relevant today but we are surrounded by pain we are surrounded by hurting people and we are hurting people we hurt and we have pain and when we know someone is when we know someone's hurting physically It's pretty obvious. They may walk with a limp, they may have their arm in a cast. You know, you you know when someone's hurting physically. You'll see it on their face. And you'll go up to them and say, You're hurting, aren't you? People do it to my wife all the time. You're hurting, aren't you? It's because she deals with back pain. And you know when she's hurting. We're surrounded by hurting people. You know, when someone's hurting spiritually or someone's hurting emotionally, it's not as obvious. Very few people knew what Robin Williams was going through until it was too late. You may feel this morning, you may be sitting this morning going, nobody knows. Nobody knows the pain in my heart. Nobody knows the pain in my soul. And worse, it seems like no one even cares. But I believe someone does know. And I believe that someone does care. He is your heavenly father. He knows what you're going through. He knows that you hurt. He knows your pain. And more than just knowing about it, he cares. And he loves you. And he will never leave you or forsake you. And he cares about you. And the reason that I know this is because of Psalm 40. That God sees us in our pain, and he knows all about our pain, and he cares about it. So today we're going to talk about how God lifts us up out of the depths as we examine Psalm 40. So grab your Bible and turn to Psalm 40, and we are going to look at these words of David. Also grab your bulletin and turn to page 3 to the handy dandy outline and we will fill in some blanks starting with the very first blank on your outline which is waiting for the Lord waiting on the Lord the very first thing that David says in Psalm 40 and the very last thing that he says in Psalm 40 is all about waiting it's about time it's about waiting look at verses 1 and verse 17 verse 1 says says, I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and heard my cry. And then look at verse 17. Yet I am poor and needy. May the Lord think of me. You are my help and my deliverer. Oh, my God, do not delay. This is a Psalm of David, and it is full of raw emotion. It is a psalm written by someone who is overwhelmed by their situation. It describes pain. This psalm describes distress. It speaks to our hearts thousands of years after it was written. David says that he waited patiently for the Lord. The biblical idea of patience is better translated as long-suffering. I suffered long for the Lord. I waited in pain and suffering for the Lord. I patiently waited for the Lord. And then he says that God turned to him and heard his cry. He turned to him and heard his cry. And then in verse 17, he asks the Lord to think of him and to not delay. To think of him and not delay. There is an element of waiting in verses 1 and 17. This waiting on God to do something, waiting on God to answer, waiting on God to come and uh, be near, waiting on God to be close, waiting on God to do something. You know, uh, David had been waiting for the Lord to answer his cries for help. We don't know what he was going through. We have no idea what David was going through. There's no uh, footnote that says David was facing the Philistines or David was facing the Ammonites or David was running from his son Absalom. We, We don't know. We're not sure exactly what David was going through, but he was dealing with something heavy. He was dealing with something hard. It must have been something very difficult because he describes himself as poor and needy. And all he wanted was for the Lord to think of him. O Lord, think of me. Call me to mind. Remember me, O God. Think of me. To deliver him without delay. David was desperate. And he was desperately crying out to God for him to save him, to come to him, to rescue him, to deliver him. He was desperate for deliverance. And when we are hurting and when we are in pain, we can get pretty desperate too, can't we? We get pretty desperate and we cry out to God saying, God, why don't you hear me? God, why aren't you answering? God, why aren't you doing something? God, why aren't you helping me? God, you can do anything. You can do all things. We get desperate. We feel like we're in a pit. We feel like we're in a pit of despair and we just want to get out, well, there's good news for us. There is good news. God's arms are long enough and strong enough to lift us up out of the pits of our lives. God's arms are long enough and strong enough to deliver us from the pits of our lives. He can lift us up out of the depths. The next point on your outline is lifted from the pit. Look at verses 2 through 5. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and mire. He set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. Blessed is the man who makes the Lord his trust, who does not look to the proud, to those who turn aside to false gods. Many, O Lord my God, are the wonders you have done. The things you planned for us no one can recount to you. Were I to speak and tell of them, they would be too many to declare. David was in a pit. He felt like he was in a pit. And not a literal pit, he was in a figurative pit. A muddy pit of muck and mire. This has the the image of a well, a a cistern, if you will, a a well that the water has been removed from it. And all that remains is mud and muck and mire in the bottom of it, uh, as well as uh, slimy algae on the walls. And when you feel like you're in this kind of a pit, when you feel like you're in this kind of a well, you, you feel like your feet are just stuck how many of you have ever tried to walk through mud? And I'm not talking like a little mud puddle. I'm talking like thick mud, like like molasses in January kind of. That's really kind of... Fr- I had a paper route when I was like seven years old, and uh, we had a wagon, my brother and I, and we would drag this wagon behind us as we delivered these papers, okay? Seven years old, five years old, delivering papers in Crown Point, Indiana, and we had this wagon, and one day we decided we were going to take a shortcut across this field. It... You know, when you're seven, you're dumb, okay? I'll admit, uh, not like 40 years old dumb, which I am now, but like seven-year-old dumb. And so uh, we're we're gonna, and you're lazy. Seven years old are lazy. And so um, we're we're gonna take this wagon and we're gonna take it across this field. And and, and when you don't pay attention to the weather and you realize that it's been raining for days and the mud is thick and you've got thick, heavy papers weighing down a wagon and you're trying to drag it across this muddy field field that when you're seven looks like it's a mile long it's hard and your boots are covered with mud and you're dragging the wagon and and it's like this deep the wheels are this deep and you're just pulling as hard as you can your little brother's pushing it behind you and your mother's yelling at you hustle 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 (laughs) kid you not that was my mom's favorite word when i was a kid hustle that's why I'm so fast now. That's why I'm so fascinated by the clock. It's because I have to hustle everywhere I go. But, sorry mom. When you're stuck in the mud and the muck and the mire and you feel like you just can't go any further and your feet are stuck in the in the mud, you try so hard to make it. You try so hard to get through it. The emotional muck, the spiritual mud and mire. You need someone to lift you up. You need someone to lift you out. You need someone to pick you up. You need someone to get you out of the mud and the mire. God can do that. God can lift you up out of the pit, out of the muck, out of the mud. And I believe that there are three pits that we find ourselves in, according to Psalm 40. There are three pits that we find ourselves in. Uh, The first pit that we find ourselves in, and the next blank on your outline, is from the depths of depression. God can lift us from the pit pit in the depths of depression. Look at verses 2 through 5 one more time. He lifted me out of the slimy pit. Out of the mud and mire, he set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. Blessed is the man who makes the Lord his trust, who does not look to the proud, to those who turn aside to false gods. Many, O Lord my God, are the wonders you have done. The things you planned for us, no one can recount to you. Were I to speak and tell of them, they would be too many to declare. David says that God has lifted him up out of the slimy pit of mud and mire. You know, when I hear that, when I hear David talking about being in the slimy pit of mud and mire, I hear one word, and that is depression. That David was in a, a, de, a deep depression And he says that God is able to deliver him from this depression. David says that the one who is happy and blessed is the one who turns to God, the one who puts their trust in him. And here's the cool thing about God. One of the cool things about God is that when you turn to him, when you go to God and you turn to him and you draw near to him, the Bible says he will draw near to you. In James chapter 4, verse 8, it says, Come near to God and he will come near you to you when you come near to God he will come near to you and we can turn to God in our times of pain and depression and we will know that he will hear our cries and that he will answer them he will draw near to us he will not turn away from us we sang the song earlier how deep the father's love for us and one of the lines of the song says um, how great the pain of of searing loss the father turns his face away That is the only time I can think of in the entire Bible where God ever turns his back on someone and he turned his back on his own son because he had taken all of our sins and put them on him. But the Bible says that God will never leave us nor forsake us. He will never leave you or forsake you. He will never turn his back on you. He will never turn his back on you. He will never turn his face away from you. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. God will always come near to you when you draw near to him. Psalm 91.4 says, He will cover you with his feathers, and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. A rampart is a wall. It's like a city wall. That God will surround you. That God will cover you under his wings. Like a, a mother hen covers her chicks to protect them. God wants to protect you, and he wants to cover you with his wings. He will shield you, and you will find refuge and rest in him. We can trust our God, as David did, and he will deliver us from the depths of depression and out of the slimy pit. The second pit from which God can save us is from the shame of sin. From the shame of sin. Look at verses 11 and 12. Do not withhold your mercy from me, O Lord. May your love and your truth always protect me. For troubles without number surround me. My sins have overtaken me, and I cannot see. They are more than the hairs of my head, and my heart fails within me. David sounds like he is overwhelmed by the shame of his sin, the shame of his sinfulness. He felt like he was covered in guilt and shame. David prays and he prays that God will not withhold his mercy from him. He needed mercy and he needed grace and he knew exactly where to turn, that the one to whom he could turn for grace and mercy was God. And he found mercy and grace and forgiveness in God. He turned to the Lord for forgiveness. When we're covered in guilt, and when we're feeling ashamed of ourselves, and we are ashamed of who we've become, or we're ashamed of what we've done, we can turn to God And it causes pain, it causes heartache when we think about what we've done, think about maybe something you said to somebody, or something you did, a sin you committed, uh, an attitude you have, or something that you think or something that you do that goes against God's will. When we realize how much we have sinned and how much we continue to sin, it causes pain. It causes heartache. We feel guilty and ashamed. It feels like we can fall into a pit of self-loathing and despair. We're ashamed of ourselves. We're like Paul who said, what a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body of death? And we ask questions. Am I ever going to get any better? Am I ever going to stop? Am I ever going to be able to conquer this sinful addiction? Am I ever going to be able to overcome this sinful habit? Am I ever going to get better? Am I ever going to beat this temptation? Am I ever going to be able to conquer this addiction? Am I ever going to be able to get any better? You know, we get overwhelmed by our weaknesses. We get overwhelmed by our sinfulness. We get overwhelmed by our failures. But there's good news. Because in 2 Corinthians 12, Paul wrote, it is in our weaknesses that Jesus reveals how strong he is. That it is in our weaknesses that God reveals his strength. That when we are weak, he is strong. His power is made manifest in our lives when we are at our weakest. In our weaknesses, Jesus proves how strong his love is. He proves how strong his grace is. And when we admit our failures and our weaknesses, Jesus shows us how strong he is to forgive us and to wash us clean. You know, we are so prideful. We really are. We think, I got this. I can do this. I can handle this. I can handle this sin. I can handle this addiction. I can handle this habit. I can take care of this. I don't need help. I don't need a savior. I can do this on my own. And and you may be right. You may may think, I can do this. And you may be successful in overcoming some habit or addiction for a little while. But you know what happens. Eventually you go back. And the cycle of wallowing in shame and guilt and self-loathing starts all over again. What hope is there for us? Well, the hope is that when we admit our weaknesses jesus proves his strength and he forgives our guilt and he lifts us up out of the pit of shame and sin and that's one of the reasons that jesus came was to deliver us to set us free to wash us clean to take away our sin john the baptist identified jesus and said behold the lamb of god who takes away the sin of the world that jesus can take away our sin if we will put our faith and trust in him and accept his gift of grace we will be forgiven and f- set free. How many of you like to get gifts? I thought it would be more, but that's okay. On August 17, 2006, literally one of the happiest days, of my one of the probably the three happiest days of my life. About 4.30 that afternoon, my wife gave birth to our son. Now, if you understood what I just said, August 17, 2006 is his birthday. Uh, he turned eight today. And this morning, we, we, we got him a gift uh, about a month and a half ago. And it's been sitting in the spare bedroom in a box. And he has been foaming at the mouth, <coughs> wanting to open this gift. Yesterday's, can, can, can I open the gift before we go to church tomorrow? I don't know, son. You know, you're not officially 8 until, you, until 4.30 in the afternoon. Dad! <laughs> all right, I'll talk to your mom. We'll see what we can do. She comes in the room. We're going to let him open the gift. Of course we are. (laughs) So the next morning, this morning, uh, I go get the box and I put it on the bed. And little guy's sitting on the bed and I'm in the other room and and Shannon goes to get her camera because she's going to take pictures of how it's a He's wanted this thing forever, and he's going to be so excited. It's a remote-control helicopter, okay? So he's really, really excited. And uh, But he has no idea what's in the box. He just knows that there's something in the box that he wants. All right, Jonathan, wait here. And when your mother gets her camera, she'll come in, you can open the box. I sit down at the computer and do some things, updating Facebook, whatever. And so I'm sitting at the computer, and... Uh, I hear this, oh my gosh. I get up, I walk in the room, and he's holding the helicopter in his hands. (laughs) What did you do? I couldn't wait any longer. I had to open it. (laughs) Jonathan, your mother's going to freak out. When all else fails, blame the wife. And it's like, I said, you don't want to know what your son did. What did he do? He opened the gift. He what? God has a gift for you. God has a gift for you. And it's a gift of salvation. And he's waiting for you to open it. And he wants you to open it. And you've got to want it. You've got to want it more than anything. You've got to rip into this thing and open it up. So that when you believe in Jesus. And repent from your sins. And confess him as Savior. And are baptized you're forgiven and washed clean and the holy spirit comes to dwell within you and you are set free and forgiven and you have the promise of eternal life in heaven and it fills you with joy and it fills you with peace and it fills you with comfort knowing that god will never leave you or abandon you or forsake you and that you will spend eternity in his presence And it's a gift of grace. You can't earn it, you can't buy it, you can't be good enough for it. You can try, but you'll fail. And if you're trying to earn it on your own, you won't succeed. It's a gift and you've got to receive it. And when you receive it, you'll understand how precious this gift is. It's better than a remote control helicopter. The final pit that God lifts us from is from times of trouble. Look at verses 13 through 16. Be pleased, O Lord, to save me. O Lord, come quickly to help me. May all who seek to take my life be put to shame and confusion. May all who desire my ruin be turned back in disgrace. May those who say to me, aha, aha, be appalled at their own shame. But may all who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. May those who love your salvation always say, the Lord be exalted. David was surrounded by trouble. He had enemies who wanted to take his life. And this is the pit in which he found himself. He was facing times of trouble and he felt like he was trapped in a pit. You know, we face times of trouble, right? We face times of trouble. Maybe it's financial troubles. And they take away your peace of mind. Perhaps it's relationship troubles with your spouse or your children. And they rob us of rest. Maybe it's work-related troubles that are stealing your joy or school-related troubles that take your focus off of of Jesus and His love. Maybe it's a a, a trouble, a time of trouble where you've lost someone whom you love and it hurts. Maybe you're walking around in chaos and confusion and and there's pain in your life. Maybe it's physical distress or emotional distress and you're tired and you're weary and it takes all that you've got just to be able to get out of bed. You know, the pain of life that comes from the times of trouble is very, very real. It's very real. And, but God can lift us up out of that pit. As, like I said earlier, His arms are long enough and they are strong enough to pull us out of the pit. David says to seek the Lord and be glad in Him. We who love His salvation should praise Him. But when we're going through times of trouble, that can be the last thing that we want to do. The last thing we want to do. I don't want to go to church. I don't want to sing happy songs. I don't want to praise the Lord. That's the last thing I want to do. But yet David says that is the first thing we should do. Because when we praise the Lord, we find out that He is very near to us. Psalm uh, 22.3 says that God dwells in the praises of his people. That God indwells the praises of his people. That he sits on the throne of of the praises of his people. In other words, when we praise the Lord, he is very near to us. So we praise him for what he has done. We praise him and thank him for what he is doing. We praise him and thank him for the ways that he has delivered us in the past. From the pits that he has pulled us out of in the past. When we have been in pain and the Lord, uh, the Lord brought relief, we need to praise Him for that. When we have been hurting emotionally and spiritually and God has brought healing and peace to our lives, we need to praise Him for that. God will be near to us when we praise Him. And He will lift us up out of the pit in the times of trouble. I'll tell you a story. In June of 2002, I was hurting. I was in a great deal of pain. Not physically, but emotionally and spiritually. I was hurting. For a time, I considered leaving the ministry altogether, getting out of the game. I was going to quit the ministry and i was going to go do something else i didn't know what i wanted to do i didn't care what i wanted to do i just wanted to do anything but be a minister and so i i sat in a room with two men one's name was del branham he was the elder one of the elders at forest lake christian church and the other was Merle mayer and Merle was the former president of minnesota bible college and i poured out my heart to them and i told them i, I can't do this anymore i I'm, I'm quitting i'm done i'm out of here i'm i can not do this anymore And Merle looked at me in his wisdom. Both of these men have gone home to be with the Lord, and I'll see them again someday, and I will thank them. Merle in his wisdom said, Sean, it would be a terrible disservice to the kingdom for someone with your talents and abilities to get out of the ministry. And I want you to persevere, and I want you to stick with it. Here I am today. I was hurting emotionally and spiritually. Nothing was going right, and I was in a pit I was in a pit. I considered leaving the ministry, like I said, and I also considered ending my own life. I was at a crossroads, literally, at the corner of 4th Avenue Southwest and U.S. Highway 61, and I was hurting, and I was in pain. And as I sat there in my car, I said to myself, if I pull out in front of the next car, this will all be over, and I won't hurt anymore. I came to my senses and realized what I was thinking, and I went home. I talked to my wife. I said, "I got to go see the doctor, because there's something wrong. And I went and I saw my doctor. I said, "Doctor, I think I'm depressed i think i'm going through depression i felt like this for far too long he said i i don't think you're depressed he said i think you're bipolar and in june of 2002 i was diagnosed as bipolar now this may freak you out a little bit the bipolar pastor It's been this way for 12 years, longer than that, actually. It's just been diagnosed for 12 years. So for the last seven years that I've been here, I've been bipolar, just so you know. Nothing changes, okay? I'm still the same mentally ill pastor that I was when you hired me seven years ago. I was put on medication, and I've been on medication ever since. I take my meds every single day, just so you know, every single day without fail, I take my medication like a good patient. And you know what? It really helps me. It really does. It, it, it really helps. And I thank God for leading me to the doctors and for his help in, in finding this medication that helps me. He lifts me. He hasn't lifted me, but he is lifting me from the pit of mental illness. I have not been healed. I have not been cured from this chemical imbalance known as bipolar disorder. I have not been healed, I have not been cured, but one day I will be. Because the book of Revelation makes that promise. In Revelation chapter 21, verses 1 through 4, it says, I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. And this is my hope. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or, say it with me, pain. For the old order of things has passed away. My dear friends, there is pain in this life. But there is coming a day when there will be no more pain. So whether your body is broken or your heart is broken or your mind is broken, there is coming a day when we will hurt no more there is coming a day when i will not be the bipolar bastard but i will be free from this mental illness amen i have some challenges for you this morning okay i have some challenges first if you are dealing with serious mental emotional pain if you are dealing with depression or mental health issues in your life and you feel like you have been living in a pit, my challenge for you is to seek professional help. Turn to God and ask God to lift you out of the pit and to lead you to someone who can help you deal with your pain. See a professional counselor. Talk to your doctor. They can help you deal with this Pain. They can help you deal with it and god can use medication. He can use doctors uh, They can work together to heal your pain God gave doctors and researchers Brilliant minds to figure out how our minds work and how our bodies work to be able to heal And, and to be able to treat things like mental illness and, and mental health issues God gave us the, the wisdom to be able to know how to deal with these things And mental health issues, mental pain, mental illness is no different than any other illness. If you had a broken ankle, would you say, nope, I'm just going to deal with it. I don't need help with my broken ankle. No, if you had a broken ankle, you'd go to the ER. Or you'd go to the doctor and say, doctor, I think my ankle's broken. If you had bronchitis, you would go to the doctor And say, I'm coughing a lot. What's wrong with me? If you had cancer, you go to the doctor and say, I need help. Yet somehow we've taken, we've bought into this idea that that there's shame and that there's guilt in in being mentally ill. There is no shame in it. Just as there's no shame in acid reflux, there's no shame in bipolar disorder. Don't deal with it on your own. Don't hide it anymore. Don't be ashamed. Turn to God to lift you out of the pit and seek professional help. Second challenge. If you know someone who is dealing with mental health issues, uh, if you are dealing with someone who is in pain and has the pain of mental illness, two challenges. One, love them. Love them unconditionally and listen to them. And two, encourage them to seek professional help. You could be the one that God uses to lift them out of the pit that they're in. Because they're in a pit. And believe me, when you're in a pit, sometimes it's hard to see the light of day. That pain is real. Your pain is real. My pain is real. We need to seek help from God and from those He can use to help us to get through it. Take it from me. Okay, I've been there. I know what it's like. You can get through it. One of the things that amazes me about God, one of the things, there are many things that amaze me about God, but one of the things that amazes me about God is how he can take my mental illness and my bipolar disorder and he can use it for his glory and to help other people. Because I've had people sit in my office and they look at me and they're scared. I can look at it, I can see it in their eyes and they're scared and they're like, I just found out that I have a mental illness. And I look at him and I smile and I raise my hand. I say, Me too. And it's okay. Because we're going to get through this together. And God has been able to redeem something that is just, that haunts me, redeem something that gives me pain. And He uses it to help other people. And so don't be ashamed and don't be afraid and don't be scared. Know that there are people like you and there are people like me and we can get help if we will seek it. God can lift us out of the pit. He can lift us out of the depths. Don't let another day go by suffering in silence. Come and talk to me. Go and talk to your doctor and let's get the help you need because God wants to help us And he can lift us up out of the pit and out of the depth.